Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security, and together this Christmas, we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Welcome to episode 34 of the Goodenwood.com podcast. Josh, we're four weeks into the season and we've managed to miss one week, have horrendous sound level issues last week, and this week we're a day late. Basically, we've started as we meant to go on, haven't we? As we've always been. But like Freddie Michelak's brain, we are no stranger to infuriating inconsistency. <laughs> but even so, here we are. I am Lee Calvert, the editor of Goodenwood.com, and he is... I am Josh Gardner of RugbyShirtWatch.com And together we remain your sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge and your weekly paddle in the waters of a less deferential type of rugby media. Hmm. Coming up this week, we're going to do some reviews of the weekend. We're going to dish out some shit good ratings. We'll be talking about a Tempest-enshrouded shit watch. Oh, yes. Um, more to add to the 99 Rugby Problems list. Thanks to all of you being in touch about that. We'll be telling you which players we don't second that emotion on. And all that, plus you get a song at the end. Could What more could you ask? Nobody can honestly? say that we're not worth waiting for. Well, and even if, probably. And even if that wasn't the case, we'd probably <laughs> keep you waiting anyway. So there you yeah, go. This, so. You're acting like there's any choice in the matter. <laughs> no. uh, again, thank you all for listening. We are available on SoundCloud, on Acast, on iTunes. Please give as many reviews as you can and click on those lovely star ratings and let us know what you think. You can get in touch with the with the blog and the pod at Blood and Mud or you can get in touch with Josh uh, at Josh Gardner or indeed at Rugby Show Watch lots and lots of things going on so mm-hmm. let's crack on with a review of the weekend yeah 
First of um, all, New Zealand win again, and it's... I, I'm so bored of talking about how good the All Blacks are now. Yeah. Like, just... like For, like, what, 20 minutes, South Africa almost made it look like we might have a bit of a game on our hands. Yes. And then they foolishly scored. And Ironically, they scored the best try of the game. They did. Uh, but that just woke New Zealand up from whatever sort of random daydream that they were collectively having, and they got reduced to a fine mulch. What I hate, what I hate New Zealand most for right now, is the fact that they made me shout for South Africa, and that's something <laughs> I never ever wanted to do, and I kind of no. have a little bit of self-loathing about right now. Yeah, but it's just somebody's got to make them look like Eddie Jones. What claims that England are like. Uh, Seth, uh, all blacks are three percent better than England. He loves his percentages, doesn't he, Eddie? I know. Three percent. Where does o- that come from? How has he calculated that? I can only assume that he was shit at maths in school. Because... Or he's got Dean Ryan to do it. There's a very large <laughs> spreadsheet sat behind that somewhere. Yeah, because let's face it, on the evidence of the last six months, the All Blacks are almost playing a different sport to England, Wales, Australia, South Africa, and indeed anyone else, and the the gap just seems to be getting wider. And yeah. I mean, even like. Graham Henry and people have been in the press this week basically saying it's not good for rugby. <laughs> us being this fucking good all the time. It's like the tortoise and the hare if somebody had just taken the tortoise and thrown it under a bus or something. Yeah, or just, just flipped it onto its back and left it <laughs> Yeah, just left spun it. The rest of the rugby world is just sort of flailing <laughs> while New Zealand kind of casually saunters and... Stops for and, a shit yeah. every now and again and then just gets to the finishing line anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that South African try was a blind. It was ironically the best was. try. And, and, Bloody and, lovely try. And it was also an example of of how incredibly simple rugby is when it's done <laughs> yeah. properly. Basically, a nice bit of a step, a man coming at deep at pace on the angle, try. Very, very, very simple. Because when you it just shows you when you align it right, and you get somebody doing that. It's, you know, you forget pods, forget patterns, forget choke tackles, forget endless analysis pieces and arrows mm-hmm. pointed and where people should stand the other day if you just get some fast ball and use it wisely it's a very 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 simple game yeah it's very hard sometimes. to stop simple moves executed well really and even the All Blacks can't do it but the problem is they're always stopping other teams from executing properly or they don't care if they do because they'll just score 10 tries to your well, one the try ratio is just well, yeah basically and and, they, and they looked and South Africa looked, I say, reasonable for a period of time, didn't they? And then it all yeah, just for the most fell of the apart. first half, they looked at least like they were, if not on the same level, then they were on they were playing a similar sort of sport. And Fafta, whereas, go on. Yeah, second half it just went terribly. Well, Fafta Clerk had a bad game, which is not yeah, really, which is he hasn't had many of those since he's no, exactly. It was I think that was him. noticeable. Yanchi's looked like he might have been all right. And then he did yeah. that. Then he basically he almost opened the floodgates with that dropped kickoff. Yeah. And that you know, all it takes is that like little mental error, and they will just seize on that. Like. And that was unforgivable. We've all dropped things, but you were all everybody is coached to catch a kick as you turn it, so that when you drop it, it goes behind you. Because he you, was yeah. like full on full square in front, and boof, it drops off. Yeah. Hands like feet job, and it was um, and it was all it over. It was bad, wasn't it? And it's all, and that's all, and just shows that that little chink of a mistake is quite literally all it takes, and they will seize on it like nobody's business. And before you know it, you're twenty, thirty points down, and nobody else can catch them now. They've won the rugby championship already. 
Yeah. Well, it only feels like it's only just started. <laughs> There's two weeks off now. People can they can sit and fret themselves to death. Whoever's playing, who's he playing next? Australia. Um, no, uh, Argentina. No idea. I think it might be Argentina again. Who's going to lose Who to the next? Is the is the main Whoever question. it is, they're going to lose heavily. Let's be honest. Yes. So that um, was that. Yes. Uh, Australia, Australia looked weirdly competent. Um, it's very very God. odd, isn't it? I know it was something very 2011 about the Quade Cooper Will Genia halfback axis, but it certainly seemed to um, work for them. Will get um, Quade Cooper, good game. Yeah. That is the official Quade Cooper good game klaxon. It is the official Quade Cooper good game klaxon because it was <laughs> unbelievable. He was doing all that lovely taking the ball to the line and was it there next to last try when he did that lovely mm. fall away and just popped the ball into the space? He does, the he, he's such a naturally gifted rugby player. You forget when he's being absolute dog shit how good he is Yes, when he's on form. Um, basically, the only time he ever seems to look on form is when he's got Will Genia passing in the ball and telling him what to do. And well, so, again, he's been pretty... De- Even Bernard Foley looked all right the weekend. It was all very strange. Yeah, I'm still not entirely convinced by this whole Bernard Foley at 12 thing. He's no Jimmy Gopeth, is he? He's certainly he's not. no Jimmy, Jimmy Gopeth transition into second five-eighth. That's, oh, that <laughs> that's the success story of the, of the year, that is. It really is. It's flipping baffling. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've yet to be convinced that what Australia did on, on the weekend will be in any way convincingly working against a team that's got more structure than the Pumas, who, let's be honest, are all over basically the a four-alarm fire all the time. <laughs> all over the chutney. And they yeah. um, and, and also looked kind of a bit deflated after the epic New Zealand battle the week before. Really, yeah, and I think that's always going to be their problem. They can get up for one game, but it's and they can, you know, on their day, they can beat almost anybody, as they showed in the World Cup. But once they have... Their confidence, I think, is very fragile. And once they sort of lose that, it's a problem for them. Or even when the confidence is fragile, they don't. They still just keep trying to do stupid shit all the They're time. They're trying to. So, it's not working today, lads. Let's just keep it. No, let's just keep throwing <laughs> shit around because that's always the best way to go. When it's not quite coming off for you, try and force it even more. That's definitely always the best yeah, way to go. Yeah, and that was how they got into such a big hole. Was you know just constantly trying to force yeah. it, and it's yeah. Sometimes do less, lads. Do yeah. less. Sometimes just be play it simple, keep it cool. Yeah, it's not hard. In the domestic um, weekend, uh, Will Gaines, marginal Gaines on Twitter, got in touch and he says, "Best handle ever." Yeah, and he said, "You continue to curse teams. Josh made Scarlet suck, and after Lee said that he likes a look of sale, we lo- <laughs> he's a sale fan, obviously. We lose mm-hmm. to the Chokomatic Nine Hundred. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is the best name for Gloucester I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Cho- well, not so much anymore, though. Judging well, by no, Friday. I mean, it turns out all they need to actually not completely fuck up a win is to play uh, Mike Phillips at 10. For most yeah, that was absolutely... You see, <laughs> apparently you tweeted Dan Carter afterwards. Ah. <laughs> of course he did. Basically, in Mike Phillips' mind, this has just been 10, 15 years coming, and he's finally been thrust into the centre of attention where he belongs. Avsail really got... And the, the, the brilliant thing about him now as well is that he genuinely obviously doesn't care anymore, did he? He was always hovering no. on the edge of not giving much of a shit, and now he really, yeah. absolutely, like, Olympic level couldn't give one. And he's got And he's got that sort of, like, Reed Richards from Fantastic Four grey thing going yes, on. Yes, he's <laughs> properly 
silver foxing it these days as well. He's just, uh, yeah, I can only imagine what Manchester. He's just like a groin. He's like a walking groin, but he's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I've still really got nobody else, another no other ten to put on the bench. That's why I couldn't quite. Well, get they had the, they had somebody to cover, but then he got taken off with HIA, didn't they? So oh, they had yeah, to go course, Stringer yeah. and Phillips, the dream team. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, yeah, I mean, on the plus side, I did say last week that even if Saracens can't lose a game, then I would at least like it to feel like they've been in a game at some point. And for 40 minutes, at least, Saints did give them something of a, an examination. Was... I mean, obviously, they did what Saris always do and mechanically exploited the man advantage to turn it into a convincing win, but at well, least I mean, they to, looked to be, human. To be fair to Saracen, you know, when you're playing against 14 men, what are you going to do? You're going to try and win the game correctly, aren't you? Well, yeah, exactly. That's what you should do. And um, and um, it was a hell of a physical contest for about 40 minutes. Even though there wasn't yeah. much tries, it was still a fantastic, a very fascinating game, I thought. Mm. That game. And it was just like, yeah, I, if they can't lose a game, that's the like, little crumb of comfort that I will... Take that they at least looked, <laughs> they looked moderately, for 40 moderately minutes. human for half a game. I, if you're a Saris fan, you must sound like I absolutely hate your team. I honestly don't, but yeah. the simple fact is at club level and test level at the moment, actually, the drama and interest is just being sucked out of the game by one team clearly being dominant to a level where they just aren't losing ever, and it's a bit dull. You know that something's quite bad when you're basically saying that the best part, you know, that the highlight of watching them is that they looked like human beings for about 40 minutes. And that basically then all changed. But it's the whole, like, any given Sunday mantra thing from the NFL, isn't it? Like, sport thrives with competition and unpredictability and the clashing of equally matched opponents. And mm. neither Saris or the All Blacks are in any way offering that right now. No. They're just much better than everybody else. And they else. both dress in black. Yeah. Which is rather interesting. Apt. Mm. Like harbingers of dread. Could say that they are perhaps that. Mm. <laughs> they certainly are um, all round. So yeah, that was that. So that was Saracens. Probably one of the best games of the weekend, really. Uh, yeah. Um, the curious Bath, case of Bath continues. Yeah. Yeah. The Todd Blacker. You, you imagine Bath of last season would probably have struggled to overcome being down by a couple of scores to Worcester at half time, but mm. he's just clearly gotten playing with huge confidence and belief, and they look. They just took what was a very spirited Worcester team apart. They did. And yeah, and Leo Houston came back. He did, yeah. And everyone went barmy. Yeah. Exeter looked very, very handy against Harlequins, I thought. Yeah, I think I'm still. The jury is still very much out on Harlequins for me this season. I think. It's very much in for me, and they've come back and said they're shit. Hmm. But they've got such a good squad that they can't really... They surely can't be this shit. But they're playing like plop, and then they're they going to really lose are. a shitload of their squad for the international competition. That's the flip side of it, yeah. They've signed all these internationals, and like, you look at... You know, I thought, speaking of the other game at the weekend, I mean, I voiced some concerns about Bristol last week after they <laughs> got dicked by Northampton, and then you look at what... They happened against Wasps, and if I and Aston Gate, they must be extremely worried down there because that first game you thought, oh, they've given Quinns a really good yeah. going over, but by the looks of it, Quinns are shite. Are and they to so, be the new London Welsh? Is the question, isn't it? But um, well, the Falcons absolutely should have beaten Leicester at home. Oh, so God. in many ways, yes, they they've they've dodged a bullet there because they might be rock bottom of the Prem at the moment, but. 
like the Falcons having won two games three weeks into the season could have been pretty terminal to Bristol's hopes. How of many games up. have you got to win to stay up? Do you think realistically this season? I think yeah, I think last year it was it was four or five year to win to stay up really. Yeah, like the person you know the team that stayed up that's how many they won. But I think the year before with London Welsh you could win like two games and and stay up. It was fine. Yeah. I think this year it's going to be much more of the you're going to have to win four or five games. And that's really I you think, look at Bristol. Where are they going to get four or five wins from? Are yeah, they going to, be, are they going to they, beat they Worcester can, home and away? Are they going to beat Newcastle? They play Newcastle no. on the eighth of October away. That's that's like an enormous game now. An yeah. Absolutely well, I think game. if they lose that, then I mean the thing is though you can see them. Well, so that if if they can't sort out their problems with organisation and defence and and general cohesiveness, they're going to be down by Christmas, in my opinion. But um, Did they sign lots of players in pre-season? I can't remember now, I'll be honest. They've signed, they've signed a fair few. Well, they're not doing, they, they haven't done a London Welsh sign 34 players a week before the start of the season because you were in court a week before that, have they? You know, yeah, no, it's not anywhere that... Like, you know, they've had a, most of the core of the squad has been together for a couple of years, but I think they just... And they haven't got... I just don't think... Andy Robinson's done a very good job of preparing them for the challenge that they're... And I think he's done a very good job of putting a squad together that, like, you look at Newcastle's squad, there are no names in that squad, but it's full of fucking yeah, they've got, And they've got quality, like like Cicino's a very underrated centre. Exactly. And and it's almost like Bristol have kind of signed a lot of names, but they they don't really have... You wonder got, if they've, they've got, got the spine for it. They've got Tonga here. Benson, yeah. 2CPC, Jack Lamb. They've got Ian Evans, Ian Jack Evans. Lamb. Ian Evans is a bloody solid exactly. player, isn't he? And they've got Tongawea. They've signed Ryan Bevington from the Ospreys. Jordan Crane, super solid. Yeah. They've signed all these players that are big names, but part of it, just, are they all past it? Mm. And I, mean, I don't well, know. I mean, I, I'm very worried for them. I was anyway. hopeful in that. If you look at the stadium, you look at the fact that they've been there or thereabouts getting promoted for about four years. So they've built this kind of squad. They've got a decent backer. They've got a stadium that's ready to go. So they weren't having to go cap in hand and cap say, can we please anywhere. play nope. somewhere else? They're not carrying, you know, type 2 diabetes, his own piddy weepoo in the squad. Nope. You know, like when London Welsh were. Yeah. So I mean, I they was... have got Gavin Henson, but he's not expected to be the fulcrum of their team. No, he's not. Um, Whereas Weepu understandably was. Yeah, and instead and he, Gavin was, he was the fulcrum of Domino's the... Pizza on Kingston High Road, basically. That was... <laughs> and Gavin Henson obviously was supposed to be their great redeemer the first time they got relegated. So it was like, <laughs> it's, it's it's just very frustrating, I think, because they've spent all this money, and they've been. You know, people have talked about them having a Premiership caliber squad in the Championship for two or three seasons, and they've come up here and certainly on evidence the first three weeks of the season, they might have had a Premiership caliber squad two or three seasons ago. But mm. arguably, things are they've they haven't got promoted in time, and they could be heading for a bit of a fall. I mean, as much as it's a bit of a laugh as it goes on, and London Welsh became a bit of a laugh. You got to, you know, it's not good, is it, for the league if this is the situation? Last year was great because it was. A nail bite Compet- until, until That's what March, it should be. April, it should be it, competitive. You know? When there's only ten teams in the league, it shouldn't be a case that there's one or two teams that are so much worse than everybody else that hmm. it's they're kind of whipping boys. It should be that with such a small number of teams, there should be a relative level of parity. And yeah, for whatever reason it just ain't. And 
yeah, uh, it's, it seems stupid that we could be looking, talking three games into the season and be talking about relegation with and an embarrassing releg- and a, an embarrassing relegation. Being relegated with a bit of fight is nothing to be ashamed of, but a kind of embarrassing yeah. relegation. A la yeah, are, you Welsh. Can, are they going to win a game this season? Sort of territory, and that's London Welsh conceded one thousand and twenty-one points the year they went down. And you don't want that to be happening to you, do you? I imagine the guy well, no, who ploughed all Brist- of his fucking, who spunked all of his cash yeah. into it, definitely doesn't. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, Bristol have had, you know, three games. They've played Harlequins. At Twickenham, that they nearly won and probably should have won. Um, They've played arguably the second best team in the country. Who knows, possibly, maybe even, you know, Hmm. who knows how they'll do against Saracens. They might even be the best. They're certainly one of the most dynamic teams in the country away and got Hmm. dicked. And they've played a team in Northampton Saints who very nearly, you know, spent 60 minutes very nearly giving the champions a, a fright of their lives, you know. And you could argue they they've had a similar start to Newcastle. Because Newcastle yeah. sneaked that win against Sale. They should have beaten Leicester but didn't and got battered by Bath. So actually, it's similar. Yeah, away from home, both teams are clearly struggling against superior opposition. I guess in many ways, Newcastle have had an easy luck. If Bristol had had Sale at home and Leicester at home mm. and then a trip to Bath, who knows? You know, maybe so things maybe it's up. not as bad as we're saying it is. Possibly, it looks bad saying. at the moment, but it is still a long ass season, too early to draw particularly in the autumn and particularly in the Six Nations. Like around the Six Nations, I think there'll be chance for them to make some. Which is when Newcastle picked up all the wins last year, wasn't it? Exactly. But yeah, they did so. have the legend, the rotund legend Andy Goode. Exactly. Surely somebody's got his phone number at Bristol. <laughs> That's a dream team, ten and twelve. Him and him and Big Gav, isn't it? Exactly. Or just, I uh, just. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with 2CPC, but let's bring Good off the bench with 60 minutes to go, <laughs> get him to field gun his way around. It'd be great. Pro 12, Ospreys. Yeah. Let's talk Ospreys. Three yeah, bonus point wins. I'm not getting too carried away because we've hammered two Italian teams and that really doesn't count. Nice way to ease your way into the season, though, isn't it? It certainly is. Like Compared to the start we've had the last couple of years where we've gone away to somewhere in Ireland with half our internationals missing, etc., you know. It's quite nice to get both Italian teams merrily bonus pointed away in the first couple of weeks of the season. Big trip uh, to Ulster next week, which I guess will be more of a test of of where they are. But yeah, certainly the first couple of weeks it's gone very well. Um, Cardiff fans begged me not to, literally begged me <laughs> not to do this, but the, they know the power of the jinx by now. They but do, I'm afraid. Yeah. The first three rounds of this season mean that we can no longer ignore the fact that Cardiff Blues are proper, genuine title contenders. Like, oh no! But what have you Ed- done? They've beaten. They won away at Munster. That never happens. They've beaten Glasgow, who last week looked like they were going to fucking run the table. They looked so good, like really impressively mm. at home, and they beat Edinburgh at home with a bonus point. I mean, that's. Massive statement I, of intent. I absolutely agree with you, but because you said it first, I can blame you when this <laughs> goes totally tits up from next week onwards. I, see, I don't actually believe that we jinx teams. And <laughs> <clears throat> well, as you know, um, you keep trying to do it to England and Saracens, and it never works. Exactly, so and it never works. So it, it, it's clearly just some teams are too good, and they just 
they shun the power of the jinx. And I honestly think the Blues might be one of those because you look at what Danny Wilson's done in 18 months, and it's not always gone to plan. And it's there's been some like speed bumps along the way, but he's clearly got a plan, and he's clearly got a way that he wants them to play, and he's clearly got a vision. And the way that he's assembled his squad, you know, they've got they play attacking rugby, they're stout defensively, and they've got proper quality and depth. I reckon they can. I don't know if they'll win the Pro 12, but certainly when you think that the French teams are going to take the eye off the ball again, because it means nothing to them now again, um, they could definitely potentially get far in Europe this year. I think um, they've well, done it before. The, the only span on the works might be, but I've I've had a PR notice through today. Maybe you have that the attack coach is joining Rob Howley. Yeah, that's interesting. I think it's probably a, a testament to how impressive they've been over the last six to eight months. Attacking Sherrett used to be a Bristol, yeah. didn't he? Um, and his English indeed, which now means that half the Wales coaching team is English. And uh, yes, yeah, that's odd. But um, the agents have, yeah. have infiltrated correctly. Yes, that was that was, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was their mission. Yeah, well, yeah. He's so he's off to there. So obviously they're, they're going to lose him for it because it's part time with his job at the Blues. Yeah. They're going to lose him for a little while. On the plus side, his patent, like you imagine that he's going to probably want a lot of players involved, you know, Anscombe are obviously, is obviously going to be very familiar with it, like Warburton, Gethin, Jenkins, it's, uh, they will at least bring some familiarity with... Morgan looks happy to be back in Wales, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, and he never should have left, to be honest, like, the Ospreys letting him go was fucking madness, I know they had Sam Davis, and obviously that was a whole other thing, but they never thought to try him at full-back, they never thought to try him at another position, you know... They just kept trying to play him at 10, and it's obvious that he's better when he's got space. Yeah. And, yeah, he was he was great on Friday night. Ulster, what, Ulster yeah. quote, best back line in Europe, unquote, copyright Josh Gardner <laughs> some weeks ago. Um, yeah. Again, looked pretty handy, didn't they? I mean, he was in the balance they, a little they while. They continued to win without ever really looking as good as they should do, which is probably quite a good skill to have I would say hmm. if you can not really hit your straps properly and sort of still manage to pick up wins against decent teams like the Scarlets and, and, and all that then it's probably a good thing you know so I, I think they will catch light at some point because I mean Tau started to already look like he's shown flashes of the brilliance that he had at Wasps so It'll be interesting to see how that, particularly when they go into Europe, whether that whole thing shakes out. He's obscene, Charles Peterow. It's ridiculous. He is a ridiculous player. Um, yeah, other than that, it's pretty much business as usual. Leinster and Leinster won. Dragons yeah. lost, obviously, because that's what they but, do. But, I mean, they could have won that game as well. Yeah. Munster, after looking very good against the Scarlets in that first week, they've, they look very out of sorts all of a sudden again. It's yes. almost like... The confidence was very, very fragile, and they lose a game, and all of a sudden they're back in the in the pit that they were in at one point last season. I don't know. Shall we talk about hashtag zebra shit watch? Well, that is the one game, of course, that we haven't spoken about uh, the, this weekend. And the Cuthbert Police on Cup final, because as you know, ladies and gentlemen out there, every week is a Cuthbert Police on Cup final. It certainly is. And as um, Paul Jeffries on Twitter got in touch, Paul Jeffries ninety nine and said, shit, the gods of thunder stopping Zebra from dumping the Cuthbert Police on Cup on Connacht. 
Exactly. Having regained their shit wash. I mean, I think I don't think anyone really expected Zebra to be letting the Cuthbert Police One Cup go anytime <laughs> soon. And certainly not with an angry Connacht coming to town with a point to prove. But yeah, such is the wonderful unpredictability yeah. of the CPC. Well, <laughs> only the CPC could give us such scenes. Exactly. Zebra were actually 22-10 up against the champs. And then the weird happened and the rain and hail got so ridiculous that and the pitch became so waterlogged that the wretch decided the ref decided to call the match off at half time with Zebra twelve points ahead. And then that means now that we'll have a replay and all that hard work and brilliant rugby and dreadful conditions that Zebra actually did put in was totally for naught. Sometimes honestly you this... cannot help but feel like the universe is out to get you. <laughs> this stuff writes itself, it honestly it does. It really does. So it it's must... Zebra are now ten days in possession of the Cuthbert Police on Cup, <laughs> and indeed it's a whopping hundred and thirty five days since they last won a competitive game of rugby. Magnificent statting. Um it must have been a tough call for the Lord God Almighty this one about whether to send this <laughs> tempest in because because Italy and Ireland are, are both very big Christian countries, so exactly. he's lo- he must have had Who torn. He there? must have had torn loyalties, you know, the great deity <laughs> in the sky. But even even a vengeful deity such as you know such as the great Lord Himself um, mm. could not allow Connacht to go from champs to ship watch holders in the space of six no, months. That was, that was, that you know, was this even, ship will not stand. He just considered that obscene and rightly <laughs> he, so. He said, "This ship will not stand," and I'm sending a biblical, literally biblical storm <laughs> down there. It was it was truly appalling weather, and I say that as someone who grew up in Wales. Chris Dignan, who is I'm assuming is a Connacht man, said who said it was as a good nomination this week. Said Connacht using the weather to avoid shitwatch was a very very good thing and a very <laughs> clever thing. I think there must have been a. If hey, if you can't be good, be lucky, as they say. And <laughs> yeah. they absolutely knocked the nail on the head there. They, was... they didn't look like they were going to win that game at no, all. No, they really didn't. That is bullet dodged. Part of me almost wants to like split the trophy down the middle and hand half of it to Zebra <laughs> and half of it to Connor. Just but the game wasn't completed and like any plays, it stays it stays where it is. And exactly. Zebra, I'm so sorry Zebra, no... I'd love to take this off you, but it's uh Yeah. If there's no official result, there can be no passing of the trophy. So yeah. So the CPC remains in Italy again mm-hmm. and we'll see I mean when's the replay gonna be? Um, I don't know. Some side in the like, Six Nations, probably. Do, I guess. Yeah, maybe that's going to have to be, isn't it? I assume that by that point, Con- Zebra will have no internationals and Connacht will go out there and probably win by 60 points. But, um, yeah. But so that, it does perhaps indicate that maybe all is not as bad yeah, as it Yeah, not as predictable Zebra. as we... One, it's not as bad as it, it looks like it could be for them. And, and all is not as predictable in the CPC world as we think it might no. be. And we do like a little bit of and maybe, hilarious farce. Just so, maybe... Yeah. It just maybe it could still end up in Russia. That's the dream. That is still <laughs> that the, is dream, the dream. But it ends up in, in Russia. To that. So let's move on to the shit good ratings then. After the shit let's. watch, let's do shit good ratings. Um, shit for me first. Let's do shit first. Shit, I think we did good mm-hmm. first last week. So shit. shit for me is Alex Waller. Yeah. The Saints prop. Um, mainly because he ruined Saints' chances of winning. Because they were actually yeah, competitive until he went off. And as you've pointed out, it's hard enough to beat the inhuman Saris with 15 men. In fact, it's probably hard enough to beat them with 17 men. It's definitely yeah. hard to beat them with 14 <laughs> men. So Yeah, nigh on impossible. And, and they absolutely capitalised on it in, in quite yes. clinically vicious, typical Saris style. Yeah, the engaged play programme 47-2, Dash. Amendment 5, and basically hammered them. Yeah, 
and that was that. Um, shit my shit, we touched on it briefly. Um, Bristol's defence. I'm um, somebody who has a massive bee in his bonnet about tackling this season. Yes. I'm not sure how you managed to watch this because they <laughs> were putrid. Like defence was actually uh, for the last couple of years has been a massive problem for Bristol whenever they've come up against a decent team and they just haven't fixed it at all. Like their tackling is atrocious. The organisation is shocking. Like. They will be down by Christmas if they can't sort that out because they just think like, Christian Wade ran rings around them. It was embarrassing. Yeah, who is their defence coach? I don't know. Actually, they've got somebody know. new that they got in in the off season. It's not that thought... guy from Scarlets last year who came up with that extension saying, you know, we're not very good at defence, but I see that as a great opportunity for me. So I think that was his <laughs> that was his quote on taking the job. You oh, know, yeah. Um, well, it is a weakness. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not an opportunity. It's a because, development um, area. Yeah, you sort of looked at the, how they defended in that first game against Quinns and you thought they might have righted the ship a little bit. But since then, Christ, they are awful. And that's the difference between them and, and Newcastle, I think. And that's the difference between who will go up and who stays. And who, yeah, it's just not good. And Andy Robertson, coach at the highest level again, isn't going very well. It's or, not massive. Near to the highest well, level, so. if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, Shit-wise, Alvaro got in touch on Twitter saying about Steve Diamond. You mentioned uh, the concussion issue with sales. Yeah, Steve, Steve Diamond that... whinging about concussion. One, pick a better bench. Two, have adaptable players. Three, stop being a twat, Alvaro says. <laughs> I think that <laughs> well, might be I a step too far for Dimes, I'll be honest. I, but This this is actually one of my shits. And I, I, when I read those, I properly got a bee in my bonnet about this because it's like... What he actually said was, he was whinging about it and said, all you need is to have a slap on the head now and they will take you off the field for 13 minutes. Like, that whole mindset is so out of touch and so clueless. Hmm. And it just shows that despite everything that World Rugby's tried to do with, like, HIAs and concussion awareness and all that stuff in the last few years, even a professional coach doesn't understand what a concussion is and how easily and innocuously a player can suffer Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. A brain injury. Either that, or the alternative interpretation, of course, is that he doesn't really care about player welfare as much as he cares about winning a game of rugby, which is not a good look given that his club are currently being sued by an ex-player who's claiming that they incorrectly managed his concussion that led to his early retirement. I'm sure that's not the case. Yeah, some people could say that those things might possibly allegedly be, yeah, be, be I'm related. I'm sure they're not. Because not us. I don't want to get sued. Yeah, we, um, we wouldn't say that, but some no. people might say yeah, that. Yeah, um, and also because as a pro coach, he's surely had bags of training for this over the last few years, like he must have. Hmm. But it is, I think, probably a very helpful reminder that in the heat of the game, players and coaches don't always think clearly or safely. And that's why we need to have these doctors to step in and to act in the best interest of the players and of the game in general when players and coaches don't. 
that said, they should be able to do it without being slated post-game by a coach looking to blame somebody else for a loss. So, fuck him. Yes. Fuck him. That's what we say. <laughs> the, um, the shit for me is Joel Hodgson, the, uh, oh. the, the Newcastle player who, one, has got a horrific sort of 80s session-based player's haircut. Uh, the Fafta Clerk impersonator. Yeah. Was, uh, why? And who himself two, is a Richard Hibbard impersonator. Yes. They're like Russian doll. Those, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Two, <laughs> nesting, and he missed nesting a, Hibbards. He missed a drop goal that was set up so well oh, that it, it was, was so easy that a, a spectacled bear could have kicked it and he somehow managed yeah. to miss it. I won't insult him by saying that I could have done it because I've seen what happens when I try a goal kick, but anybody with a, a decent left hand. Yet more could. evidence to our no fucker can kick drop goals anymore from last season. <laughs> it is a it seems dead. to have rolled over into the new season, yes. It's not just a dying art, it is a dead art. Any um, shit other you? shit for me, Connacht, I mean, we've touched on it, but like, I don't care if the conditions are atrocious. You can't rugby in atrocious conditions is an every week kind of thing for you guys. Yes, living in atrocious conditions is, is is your existence. Yeah, if you need the referee and an act of God to spare you from the ignominy <laughs> of being both the Pro Twelve trophy holders and the Catholic Police Uncupped holders, that is nacht gut. Um, <laughs> it's not good at all. People have been saying. Like, I've read a few things this week saying, "Oh, it's way too early to write Connacht off. They'll come good." But honestly, things are starting to look very bad. They are even through you know the 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 miasma of mist and rain that they look terrible on Saturday. Even that far out of focus, they look bad. When Zeb, when Zebra are looking more enterprising than you with the <laughs> in the rain, yeah, it's, it's not in the in the say. pissing rain and basically a hail filled hurricane. <laughs> like there's something dreadfully wrong there. Yeah, so that's shit. Any more shit? What have I got? I've uh, got no, that's, that's, that's me for, for shit. For me, I've got Stuart McCloskey's man bun on, other, on another oh. hair theme. I mean, he's a giant lad. He's a good player, but he's got he's gone for the beard and man bun combo. And it's not good, Stuart. I don't, I, we don't like rugby hipsterism around here. No, we don't. And, I, don't and... I, literally, I literally don't understand it. I can't process <laughs> it. I just, don't, I just think you look like a dick when you've got one. Like, <laughs> like, I can... I can appreciate most ridiculous hipster fashion trends on their at least on their merits even if i wouldn't go near one in a million years but the man bun you just look like an idiot and and people don't like it either women don't like it men don't like it what are you doing josh seems to turn into something from the pages of a I don't know. What's a fashion magazine? I can't think. I'm trying to be funny. Just call, I can't just call me Josh Wan. Just <laughs> You know what? I'm going to do that from now on. That's a fantastic <laughs> idea. But um, the um, some what? other shits. Rafe Brayton got in touch on Twitter saying shit Harlequins in general. He actually put Harlequins yeah. in Fenrel because he mistyped. So I can't work out if he's trying to say Harlequins in a funeral, which is kind of what it feels like at the minute, or Harlequins like in general. Um, another shit, which is we're going to move into good, but this shit kind of brings us into good as well. Is Long Starbird got in touch on Twitter? Sourdust on Twitter. Who's, who's well worth a follow, actually, if you don't follow him already, mm. um, said that Ali Davis is non-try-scoring, non-scoring, non-pass versus Ulster, which is also <laughs> simultaneously good for Charles Piatow's ridiculous one-handed interception. Yeah, I loved this, because it was one of those things where he was streaking into the 22, you know, he had two choices there. Yeah. He dummies it yeah. and goes himself, or... He, he draws and he passes. Commits, and draws the goal. pass and he passes to James Davis. Yeah. Either of those, he scores. 
And yeah. instead, he kind of tried to do both and ended yeah. up just throwing the ball up in the air. He kind of stepped and just popped the ball up to nobody, yeah. didn't he? It was, yeah. the, it was a Theotow classic. kind of somehow plucked it out of the air with one hand like yeah. some sort of weird Spider-Man. It was like the worst... It was the worst execution of a fuck it, I'll do it myself. Because he didn't actually <laughs> even try to do that. He just kind of... Fuck it, you do it yourself. It yeah, was, fuck it, yeah. you or I will do it. Oh shit, it's been intercepted. <laughs> um, so that was that, that. was that. So that brings us into the good for this week. Uh, good, yes. I, I've got Lockie Turner at Exeter. And Exeter generally, yeah. they're actually yeah. passing the ball this year. Chubby Tommy's mm. going to be very, very upset, I think. Because they're, they're actually throwing the ball around quite a bit. Yeah, well, this is part of that that Gareth Stevenson isn't starting quite as much because as good a player as he's been for Exeter, I think he has always been something of the ship's anchor in that back line as mm. far as getting them playing interesting attacking rugby goes. But yeah, it was kind of bizarre that they were bottom of the table after two games, but obviously they were two games against fucking good teams and I think they demonstrated against And they weren't that playing they... that badly, were they, I don't think? No, and I think they'll be there or thereabouts. Add to the good games, there is... Part of that game as well, LinkedIn, was Ollie Woodburn's pornographic offload, which was absolutely mm. beautiful. It was ridiculous, actually. PSO had a couple of ridiculous offloads as well, actually, that were just like, what are you doing, mate? Seriously. But then that's... We might as well just pin Charles Piotr does something fucking... Yeah. Standard, brilliant to standing agenda week. item. Speaking of pinning things to good every week, um, Dane Coles. Oh, I know, yeah. Like, if if he doesn't win World Player of the Year, I can only assume it's some kind of conspiracy on the part of all inside centres in the world who have worse hands, worse footwork and a less developed rugby brain than him. <laughs> um, well, his pass for um, hmm. that try was just, what A, what you're doing there, and B, how do you float a 30-yard flat pass to an on-rushing, uh, I, yeah. He reminds but me, of, when he's in the loose, he reminds me of Martin Williams a bit. Yeah. He's kind of busy and passing and clever and doesn't seem hurried, and but then has pace no. when he wants to go as well. Which, oh, Martin wasn't massively pacey, but even so, you know, you see what I'm saying. No, but that's the thing is, he's not. it's not just that he's got the skills of a midfielder in the body of a front row forward, because he's not like some sort of, Shark Brits esque show pony because he does the fundamentals of a hooker's job incredibly well too. Mm. Like he can scrum in, he can throw into the line out, he tackles well, and as we saw in the Super Rugby final, he's harder than a coffin nail. <laughs> yeah, so he plays with I, smashed ribs. Yeah, he's. I mean, arguably, like pound for pound, he's probably the best rugby player in the world right now. I think it's him or Barrett, isn't it? Yeah, you know. And, it's, and then there's quite. When you a... look at Bowden Barrett, is basically just doing what his position is supposed to do. Whereas Dane Coles True. kind of feels like he's totally True. reinvented what a hooker's job is. Uh, good. Um, what have we had from Twitter? Good. Andy and Brum got in touch again. He said about South Africa to try being extremely good. Mm. Uh, Dave Garrick got in touch to say Keelan Giles. Yes. Only a cameo for Australia, but had a sign. But he has significant speed. He's going to be fun to watch. He is, yeah. I mean, anyone he end up in New him, Zealand in the summer because there was nobody. He else. did. He got because he was with the under twenties boys, I think, and Correct. they just needed. But anyone who's watched him from the under twenties in the last year has been sort of rubbing their hands, waiting for the day when he'd actually make his debut for the Ospreys. And yeah, he made it. He came on in the second half. In in about five minutes, he'd stepped two people ridiculously in Shane Williams style, and then showed gas that would make Colin Jackson raise an eyebrow and he was under the post for 40 metres. He is absolutely electric. I cannot wait to watch him play all season, to be honest. 
Speaking of Welsh wingers, Chalky got in touch on Twitter to say that good was Tom James, who he's who he has described as unplayable versus Glasgow. He, I tell you what, these first couple of weeks he has looked really, really good. Like he's come looking for work off his wing, which he doesn't do often. He's making hard yards. He's running great angles. It's the sort of form that you would imagine that Rob Howley will find hard to ignore, and yet he still should. Well, we've all seen the Tom James at test level movie before, <laughs> and the results are incredibly uninspiring. Can it be I, rebooted I, by a new studio to be made well, to appeal to a new audience, Josh? That's that's the question. That we'll get a new leading actor in, and we'll give it a darker, more gritty overtone. Um, no, I fear that, like Josh That other wing is still a problem, though, isn't it, for Wales? Yeah, but I fear that, like, like Josh Navidi, who's coincidentally also at the Blues, he's one of those players who is absolutely brilliant at domestic level, but he just doesn't have that extra hmm. 5% to make the step up to the international sphere. And I'd love to be proved wrong because a player in red hot, a winger certainly in red hot form who can score tries for fun like Tom James is for the Blues would be brilliant for Wales at the moment, but I just don't see it. I think after our Hal and Amos recommendation last year, we should stay away from international wing recommendations for some yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, Speaking of international wings, actually, um, how isn't Christian Wade playing for England when Jack Noel is? I don't know. Well, the Jack Noel debate has been an ongoing one for quite some time, hasn't it? Every time... It has. Every time... I don't think he's very good, and he tends to do something slightly good, and people say, ah, look, mm. see, he's, he is mm. actually slightly good. And he's not a terrible player. No, he's a, he works absolutely he works hard, tirelessly. And he's, he, he tends to, and he chases down, and he's a big doesn't lad, make and he's mistakes. strong, doesn't make mistakes. And I suppose, what do you want to put your, what, what do you want to put your store in as a coach, really? I mean, again, I always think Jones wants something a bit more, but nobody wants people to make mistakes. Where, I, I'd have Wade, I think. Well, I think, certainly as a Wales fan, the longer that they continue to ignore him, the better. Because you just look at that England team, and you think that, you know, Wade is an absolutely mesmerising talent. The way that he was just embarrassing Bristol time yeah. and time again with his quick feet and his pace and his lateral movement. It's just like, you think, you look at him and think like, yeah, that's the attacking stardust that will probably help Eddie's England to sort of take that next step to being, because, you know, for as good as England have been in, you know, the last 10 months under Eddie, I think we can all agree that the thing that's lacking is their attacking game. Yes. And they're very good in the forwards, but they're pretty limited in the back and they've kind of flattered to deceive quite a lot and they've been made to look better than they probably I, are. I see your attacking stardust and I raise you, you know, defensive cat litter because that's the problem, isn't <laughs> it? Because if you've got Anthony Watson on one wing, you've got shown up quite badly for a try at the weekend. His tackle was quite bad. Yeah. Versus Wade, can you have two? What would Paul say? What would no, Pat Paul this say about Paul this? Paul would fucking lose his shit, wouldn't he? But you you let Paul have, have him you for know, a bit. Christian Wade to himself <laughs> for a couple of weeks. In a dark room, I'm sure it'll... <laughs> yeah, with just a paddle and a, and a whiteboard. <laughs> and who knows what would happen. But I don't know. I, I do think that the longer they ignore him, it's just a waste. Because he's, you know, he's got to be, what, mid-twenties now? Yeah. Yeah, he must be somewhere around there. Like, of course, by my he... reckoning, that means he's 42. But uh... <laughs> He's actually, uh, no. Yeah. So... What's his face? Nev Edwards. <laughs> Spe- yeah. Spe- <laughs> Speaking of um, what you mentioned, uh, Christian Wade there, Matt C in the North on Twitter got in touch and said, uh, good was Wasps. I know it was only Bristol, but crikey. Mm-hmm. 
It was quite some performance, wasn't it? It was, yeah, as much as we've made it more about how fucking dreadful Bristol were, let's not take anything away from Wasps. They were scary good. And Cipriani looked great, but then again, that was probably really the good. easiest ride he'll get for quite since the last time he drove drunk. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. And this, let's not forget, there's Curtly Veal to come to, into this back line. There's LaRue to come into this back line. It's... It's yeah. a bit scary, isn't it? And this it? is a bit frightening, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> speaking of what, somebody said somebody got in touch on Twitter. I can't remember who it is now. I apologise. Let me know if you're out there because I can't. I can't look now while I'm talking. But somebody got in touch on Twitter. You know, Guy Thompson, the very impressive back rower for Wasps. Oh yeah. Mm. He was apparently born in Jersey, really? which means he's not been selected internationally. He can represent any home nation because he was born ah. in Jersey. The Matt Letizia thing in football. He shows England. So why? One, well, Wales could have a look. I'm surprised Scotland's ridiculous scouting network, where they go and find yeah. people under a rock See, in the Transvaal, hasn't, hasn't, hasn't found him, or at least approached him. Maybe they have, I don't know. See, this is interesting, because on Guy Thompson's Twitter bio, hmm. he says Hereford born. Oh, well, maybe Twitter has proved to be unreliable. Maybe, I don't believe maybe that. Guy Thompson doesn't know where he was born. Maybe he does, or maybe, maybe Wikipedia's unreliable. Maybe. Who knows? I I will. I'd be very surprised if he has. If it's true, he was born in in Jersey. Because how people haven't been sniffing around, I don't know. Some of oh, ones. definitely. I mean, when you look at, at how everybody else in that fucking wasp back row has been basically tried to. Oh yeah, London. Well, he was signed from Jersey. Oh, I don't know if he was born there. Right, I see. Maybe that's yeah. where the mix-up is. Oh, that no, would have been interesting know. if it had been true. And for a, for a second, it was interesting, and now it just makes. He's me quite look old stupid. though. He's twenty. Uh, twenty. He's twenty six in two thousand and thirteen. So twenty nine. Yeah, so he's not. He's no spring chicken by any stretch yeah, of the imagination. Stop Scotland, man! They'd, they'd be happy to, to, <laughs> to grab that with both hands and pull him in if that was if that was available. This is very true. Right then, let's. So that's the end of the shit good ratings. Thank you for everybody who's been in touch. You can get in touch at Blood and Mud to let us know if we've missed anybody or your thoughts on anything in general or to clarify Guy Thompson's place of birth. If anybody... That would be great. If anyone's got a copy of his birth certificate... Yeah, or if Guy's listening, I'm sure he is. You know, maybe he doesn't like James Haskell either and likes to listen in every week and have a bit of a giggle to himself. (laughs) Oh, no, I've mentioned him. I said I won't mention him, but there you go. Fair play. First time this season, though. Somebody sent me a video this week of him having caught a spider in 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 a Dyson. And he was having a bit of a running commentary on on, on this spider that he just caught. I mean, don't like... get me wrong, that does sound quite interesting. But <laughs> only if you're there. You're just saying necessarily... that to wind me up. But it's, um, but it... No, I mean, if you were there and you you had caught a spider, and I'd find that quite entertaining for myself. <laughs> what I wouldn't then do is then expect anyone else to enjoy it. I don't feel like I know you anymore. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, the um, so we're moving on to our new feature, which we mentioned last week. Which was, um, mm-hmm. I don't second that emotion. Uh, a nice play on words of the great Smokey Robinson song. Yes. And the miracles. Like our cultural references to be bang on. Oh, yeah. Bang, bang on trend. One for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> Although it was redone by Japan in the 80s, I believe. But, uh, okay. In that case, <laughs> you know, current, which, which, which yeah. makes it sound much more current. The, uh, the, mm-hmm. yeah. So the way this basically works is obviously there are certain, there are certain groups of players, or certain individual players, I should say who everybody tends to feel the same way about. They either love them or they hate yes. them, or maybe they're indifferent to them. But generally, there's some... I mentioned last week, I'll say it again, everybody... I've never met anybody who doesn't like Shane Williams. Everyone loves him. Correct. Uh, and I've never met anybody who likes 
Uh, Bucky's Botha, maybe? He's fairly universally disliked. I imagine South Africans probably like him, they but probably, certainly well, they don't, Their opinion doesn't count for many things. But so, it's, exactly. um, so what we're looking at is, <laughs> I don't second that emotion, is we're looking at booking that trend. So people, yeah, you know... Basically, I, players that you like... It's almost in spite of yourself or in spite of the popular pro- or players that you hate in spite yeah. of the popular opinion or indeed the popular. The, the golden the golden fleece of I don't second that emotion, I believe, <laughs> is finding somebody who likes Matt Dawson. I don't think that's ever going to happen. If anybody is out there who likes Matt Dawson, then please get in touch. Yeah, and, I'll, and then never contact the show again. <laughs> and then, yeah, never darken our towels again, as, as, a, as Groucho Marx would say. So yes. let's go this week. You've got a couple this week, Josh. Who, I have one indeed. from the love bit, um, one from the hate bit. Go. Um, I'm, I'm going to start off with hate, because my, my, my like is probably going to be a course of more consternation. So the player that I really just... I just can't be doing with him in spite of the fact that everybody seems to fucking love him and that is Sergio Parise (gasps) I know we've spoken about this a little bit before on the pod but like the cult of Parise is starting to wind me up big Sergio Parise punditry circle wank well exactly for years and years commentators and journalists they got themselves so frothed up banging on about what a transcendent talent he is imagining what he could achieve in a good team if only he had a better supporting cast etc etc but the thing is there is another word for that sort of thing and that is big fish small pond and like is he a fantastic player one of the best in the world yeah would he be nearly as eulogised if he was French or Australian or Welsh or a Kiwi? Probably not. He gets hyped far beyond his impressive talent just because pundits haven't got anything else to talk about when it comes to Italy. <laughs> so they just start banging on about fucking Sergio again. And the, the, that's only part of it. The other thing is he's clearly a bit <laughs> oh, of a I'm going to settle in now. That's only part of it. Go on, then. <laughs> but he is. He's clearly like, not only has he been banned for both eye-gouging and abusing the referee in his career, but... He's also started to blatantly let all this hype go to his head. Let's not forget that he was the person who invented the term fuck it, I'll do it myself for us, basically. Like, when he plays for Italy, he plays as if he's the only man in the pitch who can tie his own shoes these days. And I honestly think that selfishness and personal aggrandizement has hurt the team's development. Like, let's not forget, how can we possibly forget that drop goal against France, which was just the most obvious heinous example of selfishness and hubris like, and that was an absolute disgrace and I think it seems to be to me that, that that's creeping in more and more recently mm. I think it's he was kind of a... univer- you're starting to notice this sort of like closet shithousery that's coming through mm. in the last two or three two seasons in particular I think maybe because yeah, he's definitely... fed up with it as well yeah, he's always been a bit of a shithouse, because obviously, I mean, there's well, the, the gouging, whole gouging and like, using yeah, yeah, the referee thing. But, like, yeah, I think if, if Conor O'Shea wants to do one thing to really get Italy into a state where they can maybe move on, because it's arguably that he's holding them back because of all this, because he makes it all about him all the time. And if Conor O'Shea can, like, bring him down a peg or two and get him playing for the team again in a proper leading as a captain and not mm. just running off and leaving everybody else trailing behind you kind of way, then maybe Italy can start to make some progress again. You need to stop fucking it and doing it yourself, Sergio, otherwise yeah. you're out, is basically what it's, Connor needs to say. That's basically what you need good. I, I'd rather him than me. So, but um, Thoughts on that out yeah. there? 
at Blood and Mud mm. or at Josh Gardner, are we completely out of order? Or is actually, yes, he is a bit of a tit at times and he doesn't deserve what he gets. Let's move yeah. on to who we like. Yes. Now, I actually agree with you on this everyone. one. Um, now, I should say that I'm not doing this for trolling purposes. Like we mentioned last week, we were going to run it last week. We did ran out of time. We didn't have a chance. So yes. this is just a holdover. So either the timing is either good or shit, depending <laughs> on your point of view. However, my one that I like in spite of myself, and even though everyone else hated me, hate, hates him for it, is Chris Ashton. And <laughs> I know he's making headlines literally as we speak for all the wrong reasons again. But like... <laughs> I just can't, neither this nor any of the other massively overblown incidents in his career will dissuade me from liking him. Like, I get it. The showboating, the swan diving, the moronic career-limiting moments of madness, shithousery or both. Like, he is without doubt a bit of a prick. I'm He's not a ginger, mardy-faced, eye-mithering, prop-chomping, gobshite, plum-faced, <laughs> clunge-trumpet of a winger, is what some people would say. Yeah, and and like, but is he really this fucking irredeemably horrible thuggish animal bastard that he seems to have been painted at no, in I the think, wake of all of this latest shit? With what? Well, I, I, no, I don't think, I think he is. I think he's a bit thick and he makes poor decisions. I think that's yeah. the top and bottom of it. But he's not thick when it comes to the way he plays. He's more intelligent no. than most players are. Exactly, and like you look at the two things that he's been banned for in his career: gouging, which was very harsh, by the way. That was last and, season and now, against Ulster, yeah? Yeah, and now presumably, as we speak, possibly biting. And now both of those charges conveniently also appear on the rap sheet of the current England captain, and everyone's conveniently forgotten all about that, thanks to a grand slam and a series <laughs> And Sergio Parise, by the way. And yeah, exactly. So the thing is, because he's like an arrogant, chippy show-off, I think that really offends the puritanical values of a lot of rugby fans because they want their players to be these fucking taciturn robot, robots who celebrate by scoring tries by like politely shaking a teammate's hand. The and then you have Chris Ashton, who's this bolshy, cocky northern lad, and a rugby league lad, no less, <laughs> who absolutely refuses to hide the joy that he takes in both playing rugby, scoring tries, and beating the, operation, Every uh, the opposition. Every club I've ever played for has somebody like him. Course. And they're always a back, and that's what they're like. You know, it's just yeah. that's the, that, that's the thing. And it's um, yeah, I think he's it's just a bit thick. Yeah. What do you I think, think about the tell... What do you think about the bike, by the way? Have you seen it? I think I've seen it, and I think I don't see how they can get anything conclusive from it. Put it that way. No, I don't think it's in any way conclusive, and I think that it's easy to like be puritanically ooh, you shouldn't do that about it but it's kind of hard to talk about how you'd react when somebody has got their entire forearm clasped around your mouth and face and general his hands seem to the guy's hands seem to go into his mouth while his mouth yeah they open. kind of start around his yeah. throat which is lovely and then kind of <laughs> gradually move up his face and, and how like, much harm can you do with a gum shield in anywhere? Let's be honest. Well, yeah, exactly. It's not like, you know, it's not like Luis Suarez, is it, where you can literally use no, all your exactly. chompers and to get a full also, grip of it. It was, it was wallery bit, wasn't it? It was wallery uh, bit, yeah. Conveniently. like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, And he cried to the headmaster, which I instantly see as a bit of a shit-ass move, but I don't know. I don't Maybe watching as much NFL as I do has, like, desensitised me to this diva behaviour, but it honestly doesn't bother me that much. Like, what bothers me is the double standard that forgives Hartley or Manitou Ilagi or Danny Cipriani for doing much more significant things, but like 
Ashton's fucking demonised at every turn because he refuses to like tug his forelock and act like he's not the best fucking winger in England when he's on the field because he is. Yeah. I noticed that you've softened to him and are now saying he's all right when there's no chance of him being selected in a white shirt anymore. <laughs> that's convenient. I bet you won't be saying like... this if he was in the elite squad again this season. And that's the thing. When he's, when he's being a dickhead against your team, I totally get it. <laughs> And he is completely infuriating. But at the same time, I still can't help but like I him I genuinely for it. love him. I know he I can think... be a knob. I've taken a piss out of him. As... I did my whole Bellendry axis, performance yeah. Bellendry axis graph about him last year, but that's all just Bellend is like the perfect word yeah, for what he bell, is. He's just a bell, isn't he? But he's like Mike Phillips. People love Mike Phillips. Of course they do. I mean, the thing is that, I don't know, there's just something about him that it's clearly just this combination of things that he is that rubs that sort of wax-jacketed middle-class England home counties fan up the wrong way to the point where and he gets naffed off side. Harlequins expect... are so shit this season. Yeah, you expect, you expect like, opposition fans to think you're a prick because you're good and you're scoring tries against them. But yes. he seems to promote this ire from his own fans, which I just don't get, because that's the thing. Yeah, he is like Mike Phillips, but everyone hates Mike Phillips except for the Welsh. You absolutely fucking adore him because... He's yeah. being a dickhead for you. Because he's but... your bell end. Exactly. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, so there's me. So there you I... go. So there you go. There's, there's I don't second that emotion. Two big hitters mm. out the gate, I think. Parise yeah. and, and Chris Ashton. Let us have some nominations from you. Let us, one, let us know what you think at Blood and Mud of the opinions that's just been trotted out. And also give us any... Of <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have a view on it, I'll be honest. And, and mm. other than that, let us know any noms that you've got for it as well yes so, or indeed if you are that strange patient zero who can tolerate austin healy just just let us yeah, know austin healy or matt dawson please out yeah. if you're out there not not them people individually yeah no. i have met austin healy actually he has he, i yeah i can't imagine what that's like he's, well, he's I can. He, had, he had the tightest shirt on you've ever seen it was a very very <laughs> tight shirt my mate actually was training at leicester for a while because he was quite a talented lad and he said I won't say who he is, but he, he basically said that he was the biggest prick he's ever had the misfortune to come across, <laughs> basically. And that was when he was back the, playing the, for Leicester. The thing about it is that doesn't come across. No, not it's a, it's a surprise, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah massively not. <laughs> yeah, so that's the end of that. Let's go on to just a couple of nominations that we've had on Twitter this week, thanks very much, for our new 99 Problems in the Hascape mm. 1. Hashtag 99 Rugby Problems. Friend of the friend of, of my blog, actually. He's, he's, he's done some writing for the blog, and I've met him a couple of times. Callum Gillen. Um, has said the twelve the the fact the Pro Twelve can't afford to have TMOs at every match. Can we not? Jesus Christ, that's yeah. awful. I watched the highlights of Cardiff's game this weekend on the Pro 12's channel, and there mm. was no commentary on it. Uh, that's because it wasn't televised. Yeah, but even so, surely they could pay they somebody to do a bit of a quick round. They were last season though. That's weird. They were just got some. Yeah, last season they just got some. He sounded like like an Irish work experience lad. Well, that's fine, but you at least want something, don't that, you? Adam? this like yeah, want something other than like crowd noise and silence and the wind blowing and the ref saying things. <laughs> so that was kind of that. And James Lanaway yeah. got in touch with a very very good obvious one. I'm surprised we haven't mentioned this ourselves. Ninety nine hashtag ninety nine rugby problems. The crooked scrum feed. Ugh, which is yeah. showing no signs of abating, None by the way. Remember there was like that five-minute period about two seasons ago where they started noticing it again? Yes. And then they just stopped. In the same way that about five or six years ago, 
they they like literally for maybe four games started noticing players who were adjusting their position on the floor. Yes. And or, then they just forgot about it. And also pushing before the ball comes in was the police yeah. that for about a week. Whereas now literally <laughs> the scrums come together and they all shout hit two, three, four, which means yes. that they are pushing they are before pushing the ball comes back. in. Exactly. You can actually it's not even like they're being like, you know, clever and surreptitious <laughs> about it. They literally go, hit two, three, four. Yeah. At which point the ref could go, right, penalty, yeah. you know, take Clearly. pick. Clearly but they don't, do they? Yeah. No. It's bizarre. Stupid. So that's the end of that. Thanks for listening in this week. We Josh, we've come in at just about it's we're an hour, almost exactly an hour. I can't believe it. It's a brave new world. I know we're a day late, but... Whoop. See, this this is the, the trade-off. We might be a day late, but we're, we are we've had that extra money. day to distill our, our incredible wisdom and wit and brilliance. And we actually did drop something from the run about two minutes before we started, which is good because we'd still be at it in about 20 minutes, probably. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to finish, as we always do, with The Loop, the world's first and only rugby-related playlist. Again, get some suggestions in for that. If you can think of any, you can also follow it on Spotify, and it's updated every week, and the link's on the mm-hmm. website and the podcast bit of the bloodandmud.com website. This week, I'm going... Uh, Josh, you'll be very surprised here. I'm going back to the 90s this week. And, uh, Good God. <laughs> and it's 90s grunge, which was my... That my, is basically our spiritual heartland. That's our spiritual a... heartland, and we're going to go... I'm going to, from the Super Unknown album by Soundgarden, the song Kickstand. See you next week. Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security, and together this Christmas we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.